Hi. Welcome to Nocturna, a horror podcast. Today, you're invited to the edge of reality to witness the horrible things that lie beyond its horizon. We'll explore a captivating tapestry of dread and cosmic terror, where the intensity of our descriptions may elicit a range of emotions, from spine-tingling thrill to disquieting unease. As we delve into the depths of these stories, we invite listeners to embrace the full spectrum of sensation that may be evoked, understanding that the chilling nature of our content may both exhilarate and unsettle, depending on individual preferences. As you embark on this immersive journey with Nocturna, prepare to surrender to the captivating tales that both stir the depths of your imagination and awaken the dormant fears within you. Episode 7, Goldenrod. The story you're about to hear is a work of fiction. Probably. I always liked building things. It was a bit of a fascination I had as a kid. I think the best birthday gift I ever received was a set of my dad's old tools that were in too deep a state of disrepair to labor with any longer. He used to bring wood scraps and nails home for me, which I know sounds dangerous, but I wasn't unsupervised. We didn't really have money for new toys or games, and I really enjoyed the time we got to spend together. I guess it's not surprising that laid the foundation for my future. I work as a bricklayer, half since I was 17. It's one of those things that takes an afternoon to learn and a lifetime to master, but in my late 30s, I now consider myself quite proficient. Sure, it's a dirty job sometimes. I'm certainly no stranger to taking home more than I meant to from a job site. I even ended up getting a red couch so I wouldn't need to vacuum it as much. Not that I bring home many visitors. I like working outside. It's pleasant most of the year. My part of Missouri doesn't get too cold in the winter or too hot in the summer. Not compared to other places, at least. We get a little bit of snowfall, but it melts away quickly enough, and I'll be the first to say that there's nothing like these mountains in spring. I swear the Ozarks feel like they're part of a different world sometimes. I got hired on a job for a newer development way out in the wilderness. And by way out, I mean didn't even have an address. Just a state highway and a mile marker that led off onto a private road. It was a further drive than I'd normally make, but the employer was willing to pay double the rate that I'd normally charge for travel. Couldn't really argue with that. I never met the owners. I'm not even sure if it was a family, individual, or property management company. I communicated exclusively over text with a guy named Tom. You learn pretty quickly in the backcountry not to ask questions if the money's good. Sometimes you learn more than you wanted to, and other times you upset whoever you're talking to, which is obviously bad for business. All I really cared about was the down payment clearing. I remember pulling off the highway for the first time, having almost missed the place. I could hear small rocks being kicked up against my truck before I hit dense tree cover in a paved drive. The further I went, the more the property seemed to be shielded from the road by the trees. As I descended further from the highway, I approached a clearing with a white, unlived-in estate house sprawling across it. The windows had the unmistakable cleanliness of new glass, making silver reflections of the trees around them. Everything about the house was pristine and stately. It was a colonial style, with the exception of the front entry, which held what appeared to be two large metal doors standing in a grand door frame. 
The next odd thing was the loneliness of the place. Usually when a house is being built, there are as many contractors there as possible to move things along, but there wasn't a person or machine in sight as I drove down the freshly poured drive. I knew not to expect any contact with my employer. Tom had made that very clear in his texts. He left concise directions with design plans, photos of the locations where the work was to be done, and the days he wanted each task finished. This all led me to think there was some well-oiled machine of a company behind all this. Couples or families rarely have that level of detail or organization before I walk them through the process. You'd be surprised to learn how many people find out their partner wants a herringbone pattern when they've been envisioning a basket weave. Tom was a welcome change. I was doing work around the garden areas. Some planters along the front windows that curved around to the sides of the house, and a large terrace in the back that would house a water feature and a few benches. I did the planters first. At no point in those few days did I see another soul, which was strange at first, but relaxing once you get used to it. I don't mind the wilderness, and listening to birds and breezes is a lot more pleasant than jackhammers and circular saws. Once the easy stuff was out of the way, it was time to move into the back. The trees on this side of the house were a bit thinner than in the front, and I could see the water of Bull Shoals Lake off a ways. Lovely goldenrod flowers dotted the landscape, swaying as one in the wind as if they shared a body. It was shady, but the flowers were still beautiful and healthy, if a more vibrant orange than the usual yellow. A slope led down to the water, but a section of it had been leveled to make room for a patio situated roughly 30 to 40 feet from the house. My task involved laying down a brick pathway and constructing a retaining wall to contain loose soil. The overall design left me with a project that resembled an old-fashioned keyhole with a central water feature yet to be installed within the circular area. The wall would rise to about seven feet behind it and arc from a central apex to the ground like a spade. The chosen brick nearby on a pallet was like none I had ever seen. It wasn't the same as the ones they had left for me for the front of the house. Color variation is common in brick depending on where it's from. Rusty reds and ruddy browns tend to be the most common, but that's not what I was left to work with. They were an orange, almost amber-like color with small flecks that lit up in the sunlight like glitter. I looked for some sort of tag or receipt to see who had made them or at least where they came from. All I found was the corner of a piece of paper trapped under a staple where that information had clearly been ripped from the pallet. Upon picking one of the bricks up, I noticed that it weighed more than it should have. Good quality bricks of that size are normally five, maybe six pounds. Each of these felt like ten or more. I contacted Tom and told him that I would likely need to charge for an extra day due to the weight slowing me down. He assured me that was all well and good and apologized for any inconvenience. There wasn't a clear pattern to how they wanted the bricks laid, which was fairly unique. Usually people choose from five or six popular layouts and especially with fancy houses like this one, it's incorporated into some larger design motif. When I asked him about it, Tom just said that he didn't care much for patterns, and that I should get creative. Be an artist with it, that's the phrase he used. Well, I'm not much for painting or drawing, so I just kind of laid them in straight lines, turning 190 degrees every now and then. Row after row, I started to see the randomness I think the client wanted start to come together. I started using these rows as a means of telling myself when to rest. Once I got through the first few, it felt as if every time I finished one, I was physically drained for a few minutes. 
In fact, even starting the next day where I had left off the previous, once I was on my knees working, I could feel exhaustion's grip on me strengthen. It was at this moment that I first considered there was something other than the weight of the bricks at work, but I quickly paved over the thought in my mind. I finished the patio on the end of day two and drove home, curiously more awake and energized after the hours of labor than I had been during them. I arrived back at the estate the following morning to construct the wall. Upon my first footfall on the orange-amber brick, I felt myself descend into a mire of exhaustion and lethargy. I remember thinking that I must be falling ill or developing some sort of allergy to a plant somewhere on the grand grounds of the estate. But whatever the case, trowel in hand, I powered through it. Laying the first bricks was laborious. By the time I had a row done, I was sweating profusely. It was decidedly not a hot day. Upon completion of the fourth row, my muscles screamed in agony and respite became not a luxury or choice, but a necessity. The short breaks I took gave my lungs the air they needed to keep me in consciousness as soon as I drifted away from it, like exiting a door only to be pulled back inside. Twelve rows in, halfway done and the fibers of my muscles quivered with exertion. Each breath I drew was constricted and rattling, like I was drowning on dry land. And then it all went dark. I hadn't collapsed, not yet, but I began to see only in flashes, my thoughts sluggish and murky. I felt my body continue to lay brick, but autonomously now. My arms, although I could still feel them moving, it all felt as if they sat in some isolated cove in the swamp of my consciousness while the endless tide of exhaustion began to drown me. It was at this point, on the brink of collapse, that I knew whatever weight I faltered under was beyond mere physical fatigue. It was as if an unseen creature had poured itself upon my shoulders and begun digging into my head. It took all parts of me still left alive to even conjure thought, let alone understand what was going on. I saw flashes of bright orange gems, a large building atop a hill, Faces and blurred unfaces of people I'd never before seen. But these images were ripped from me half moments after revealing themselves, intercepted by the sludge of whatever affliction had gripped me. A finished wall, seven feet high in orange brick, stood before me as my mind tumbled through hell and back. Reality became dream and dream became hallucination, only for hallucination to become reality again like some cosmic estuary. It was as if the lines between sleep and death and intellect had all been smudged. And that is why, in this sick and broken state, my mind was undisturbed when the wall began to speak. Embrace. Exalt. Drown. The words sounded smeared like 10,000 voices speaking at once. Like a congregation only larger and deeper. I heard them from every direction, but the strongest, most potent force of voice came from the amber horrors I had laid myself. With what my eyes permitted me to see, 
The metallic shimmering I had seen before in the brick had transformed into a bright spectral light that illuminated the entire hillside. Embrace. Exalt. Drown. The words felt warmer this time. Calming even. Embrace. Exalt. Drown. I smiled, overcome by welcome, and by something resembling selflessness that I can't quite put my finger on. Isn't that an odd thing to feel when you shouldn't? I awoke to a cool breeze on my forehead. Sweat slicked my skin and left it cold and clammy. The sun had descended below the horizon, and I laid on the brick near the center of the circle, shrouded in darkness, allowing my memories to flood back. Or what at the time I thought were memories. I recalled doing my work as normal, uninterrupted and neatly. It wasn't until later that week that slowly, over a few days, my story as I've repeated it here crept back into my mind, piece by piece, like something had just held it for a moment and left my brain free to connect the dots best as it saw fit. Each short glint of memory found its way back home within my psyche like a slow trickle, one stroke at a time until the painting was full and complete. My job was done. Tom had paid the invoice in full within minutes of me packing up my truck and exiting the property. I had no reason to suspect that my normal day might have been a falsity but my true experience has since been restored, and I'm happy for that. I don't view ignorance as bliss. I'm just not sure why things still feel so incredibly wrong and unfinished. I think I'll check to see if there's any more work to be done. I love the color of those bricks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nocturna. If you enjoyed what you heard, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss the next episode. You can keep up with the show on social media at Nocturna Podcast. You can also head to nocturnapodcast.com. And if you want to support even more, take a moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. That feedback is one of the best ways to help the show grow. And most importantly, tell a friend. Just make sure they can handle it. Thanks again. Oh, and... Stay safe. You never know what's out there. <laughs>